Welcome to another special edition of the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Kate Calusiestes, one of the pastors on staff. Our ministry of worship continues even though the circumstances around the COVID-19 pandemic have caused us to cancel our in-person gatherings for the time being. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open and affirming congregation. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our messages, we hope that you will find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your journey of faith. We invite you to listen with us now. So as we move through this Easter season, we have a few more opportunities to see Jesus reappear to the disciples after the resurrection. And I don't actually think I've spent as much time with this particular story until this week. When it comes to the non-Thomas post-resurrection stories, I seem to default to the story in John's Gospel of Jesus cooking breakfast on the beach. Maybe I just need a savior who's gonna cook me breakfast? I don't know. (laughs) The celebration of the resurrection doesn't look very much like the way we recognize and celebrate Easter with our baskets and egg hunts and flower crosses and banners and trumpets. This is a story of those first few weeks after that revelation of resurrection. And they had to have been very strange and very hard. One thing we do see, though, is the disciples riddled with fear and doubt, just like the women who found the empty tomb in Mark's gospel. It has probably hounded them for the weeks since the crucifixion and that revelation from the women. The story that immediately precedes this is Jesus appearing on the road to Emmaus to Cleopas and Simon, being recognized in the sharing of a meal together. We see that clear commitment to the practice of hospitality when they urge their fellow traveler to join them for the night. Now, the importance of hospitality in the ancient world can't be overstated. This is not just the reciprocate the invitation, take cookies to new neighbors practices that we have here. This is meet a person on the road. It's getting to be dark outside when you reach your destination. They have further to go, so you invite them to spend the night kind of hospitality. Justin has an aunt who I think gets this better than most. Aunt Leland and Uncle Jim live in Champaign, Illinois, although Aunt Leland grew up right here in Meriwether County. And when I was in seminary in Louisville, we were able to visit them a number of times before they sold their house and downsized into graduated living. They were always so happy to have us come and visit, to put us up and feed us, And Aunt Leland always wanted to make sure we put a note in the guest book that she kept, which was fairly full, and by no means the first one of its kind in their home. Aunt Leland has never met a stranger, and would often, in her own travels, invite people she met to come and stay. And they would. She even gave her daughter and some friends a list of folks she knew along a route they were traveling on a road trip while they were in college. It became a game for them when they passed through some little town in rural somewhere to see if it had a name on the list. 
and nine times out of 10, it did. The great gift of Leland's welcome for me was more than feeling like one of the family, which was very important as a newlywed, but more so, it was so much like she was so happy to have us in her home. The practice of hospitality was especially important for nomadic peoples, but essential for those people who walked nearly everywhere they traveled. Biblical hospitality is just one indication of what the author of 1 John refers to as marvelous or maybe even extravagant love. Whether it's the lack of hospitality shown by the people of Sodom and Gomorrah or the welcome that Jesus receives from Mary and Martha when he visits, hospitality is fundamental to life. And yet, in this story, fear and doubt have overtaken the disciples when Jesus appears among them, even as they are talking about his appearance on the road to Emmaus to those among them. They forget their manners clearly because even after Jesus has shown his hands and his feet, they sit there dumbfounded and he has to ask them for something to eat. You can't really blame them though, can you? I mean, they were just discussing his appearance on the road and suddenly he's standing there right in the room with them, no knock at the door, no warning at all. At first, they think he's some sort of apparition, a ghost, and they're frightened. And as with the appearance to Thomas, Jesus shows them his hands and his feet and he issues an invitation, touch me and see. Like the invitation to the table where we are called to taste and see, this moment is all about creating something tangible and real, something we can grasp hold of that is as simple as bread and cup when we share the Lord's Supper together. I need Jesus to be that fully human, painfully human person. Life is hard, or as Glennon Doyle calls it, brutal, at merger of brutal and beautiful. And I need a savior who is divine, yes, who know, but also who knows the experience of being flesh and blood and bone, of feeling exhaustion, and hunger and thirst. In the midst of the complete disbelief of the disciples, they're excited that Jesus was in their midst, in the flesh, and Jesus shows how really in the flesh he is. He asks for something to eat. You know, it's almost comical. It's sort of a, what's a savior gotta do to get something to eat around here kind of moment. And as with the sharing of the meal after the travel to Emmaus or on the beach cooking breakfast, the disciples seem to come to their senses in the moment when he eats with them. There's something powerful about eating together and something I have desperately missed in these last months. 
Jesus becomes real and tangible for them, and they are finally ready for what he's about to ask them next. Now, in this strange year where so much has felt intangible, where time and work and life and relationships were like water in our hands, what is the thing that has been tangible and concrete for you? What has been the thing that's kept you grounded? I'd love it if you would share in the comments some of those things that have kept you kept your feet on the ground in this year of groundlessness. You've probably heard some of mine. Last year I had a garden and I'm getting this year's underway again. Daily walks through our neighborhood, especially on days when I work at home. I have to get outside, connect with creation, hear the birds sing, see the changing season, move my body around fully aware of my feet on the ground or my hands in the dirt, or the ability I have to move and see and hear the birds sing, I have to feel fully in my body. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's being very clear, not just with his hands and his feet, but with his whole body as he eats that fish they offer that he is as fully human as the disciples are, as I am, as you are. As we approach Earth Day this week, though, it reminds me that Jesus is as much a part of this creation as we are, present as God's logos at its creation. Jesus is the embodiment of the spirit of the living God in a historical world but what that also means for me is that if I love Jesus, then I have to love and care for creation. Not just my vegetable garden, or making my yard look presentable, or even recycling, but caring about the ways we treat the earth on a large scale, decreasing my carbon footprint, being mindful of how and where I invest our money, speaking out against dangerous and harmful practices by governments and corporations. I need to bear witness to the destruction of creation. Jesus, the very real flesh and blood Jesus, calls us to bear witness to his resurrection. Even though we were not in the room where this happened, Jesus calls us to bear witness to the repentance and forgiveness he offers, which we do. That we might find reconciliation with God and each other and God's good creation. Jesus invites us to touch and see, to know the marvelous, extravagant love of God to see that in this resurrection lives an eschatological hope, a hope beyond hope, that the worst thing is not the last thing. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. We would normally invite you to worship with us in person on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. 
But while we weather the storm of the COVID-19 pandemic, we invite you to worship with us live on Facebook or YouTube. And please visit our website, covprezatl.org, for more information, as well as our full archive of recorded services to learn more about us and to get in touch with us. We wish you well in these times of upheaval. Grace and peace to you.